It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. Welcome back. Thanks for being with us. It's the Andy Thompson Show with Rustin Burnside. And one of the most anticipated weekends of the year this Saturday, Utah hosting Oregon. Game day is going to be there. You can listen to the game right here on ESPN 97.7. We've got Porter Larson, who you can hear on Utes game day leading up to the big game. Porter, how are you, man? Doing well, doing well. Good to uh, good to chat with you guys. And yeah, looking forward to uh, a big college football weekend ahead. Not only here in Salt Lake, but uh, across the country. And yeah, and yeah excited to excited to, to kind of play host to the college football world this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome opportunity for for Salt Lake with all the attention and stuff. A big game. Let's start with last week and what I mean. That's got to be one of the greatest wins of the Whittingham era i know there's a lot to choose from but let's talk a little bit about usc and how awesome that that game was yeah obviously you zoom out and and it's it's a big win uh from a program standpoint to you know get to 500 against usc in the pac-12 era um i I think it you know some were hesitant to call it a rivalry but if you want to zoom into the last decade and in just the pac-12 era um, I, I don't know how you can get yeah. much more of a rivalry, right, with, with the, the South title on the line uh, pretty much every time they met up, several times conference title implications on the line. And if you ask guys that were in those locker rooms, both on Utah and USC, that was the game that they, they a lot of times circled on their calendar, right? Um, so it's a big win for Kyle and, and, and Utah. But zooming into this year, to get to 6-1, and one, to do it in the Coliseum uh, without, of course, Brant Keithy and Cam Rising, yeah. who after the game we, we found out are, are, are gone for the year. Man, I, I thought of it kind of an inflection point on the youth season going in, and then to find out that news after the game, it only became more so an inflection point because of, of the, the situation Utah finds themselves in. And they've gotten to 6-1 and one without their quarterback, so how long can they keep it going, man? It's it's uh, it's it's kind of the storyline of of the season, and for Utah, I think there's no reason to believe that they can't do it. I don't know that they're likely to do it this this weekend, but there's no reason to, to think that they can't uh, against a top ten and, and really good Oregon team. And you know, I I've heard you and and Spence che- on on your show with Spence Check. It's up on ESPN 700. Talk about this, but um, it might be an opportunity for Coach Kyle Whittingham with the kind of hand he's been dealt with health and key players being out to have one of his best coach seasons ever, even if they, you know, don't end up maybe going, you know, and winning the Pac-12, even so, like you're saying, six and one with the hand that they've been dealt. Um, Urban Meyer came out a day or two ago and was saying he's the best coach in college football. What What is your view on on Coach Whittingham, you know, maybe winning one of these big national awards this year? Yeah, man. I, I mean, he's he's right there as far as coaches uh, in college football. I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of inarguable at this point, right? You look at the bowl record. You look yeah. at the uh, you look at the wins. He just passed Tommy Tuberville and, and Mike Leach, and um, you, you look at his career wins. He, he c- continues to climb that list, and you know what he does uh, from year to year is really impressive. But you can also look at it through week to week, right? Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned maybe his best coaching job. Well, <laughs> a couple of years ago, he reeled off two straight Pac-12 titles in, in a, a couple of years where he lost 
literally the lives of two really good football players, right? Two players passed away in that locker room. I know it's a little bit different, right? That's more of a keeping the locker room together, more of an energy uh, coaching job. This year, it's it's as impressive in a different way because it's all schematically. It's all about the game plan, right? It's, It's week in and week out finding little things that you can do just to eke out a win, right? Just to get by uh, Florida, Baylor, UCLA, USC. Uh, it's been really impressive to see them, every button that they've needed, and they've needed all of them, right? I, I mean, you go back to the, uh, the, the opening play versus Florida, where yeah. Utah saw something on film that they could capitalize on, and they needed that one play to beat Florida. You go back to, to Baylor, uh, timing the, the quarterback situation where, they received a lot of flack in the staff room, but this is a, 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 a you know an offensive coordinator and a head coach who are now six and one without their quarterback, without running back two and three, and yeah. and, and you go down the the litany of of injuries. Uh, it's it's been a phenomenal piece of coaching, and it's it's been in a different way. Of course, as I said to the to the Rose Bowl runs, it's it's been through game planning. You, you go back to the UCLA game. They threw Cam Rising out there before the game, and I was down on the sideline, and UCLA saw Cam Rising warming up, and they started changing their pregame uh, defensive snaps. They started <laughs> looking into different into different things and, and kind of side-eyeing Cam Rising. And then Utah, you know, come to find out, they had no intention of right, playing Cam right. Rising in that game. He was he was not going to play. That was decided long before Saturday. So, uh, and then last week, right, the, the, the clock management stuff that they knew they could get Lincoln Riley on. It's been, it's been remarkable to see uh, every button pushed and, and everyone needing to be pushed. And, yeah, it, it's one of Kyle Whittingham's best coaching jobs. But that's, uh, that's also a tall task with some of the seasons yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, great point. And, yeah, the subbing the defensive lineman out, you know, at a snail's pace was, was hilarious and obviously really effective. Um, and then putting, you know, we've talked about Travis Hunter all preseason in the first few games of the season as being the best two-way guy in the Pac-12. How about Sione Vaki coming in? Right. And I didn't, I didn't realize, and I don't know if anybody realized that he could do the type of stuff that he's doing as a running back. It's been a remarkable kind of sub in for him. Yeah, man. And, and he, <laughs> you mentioned Travis Hunter, uh, the, the two-way star yeah. and, it's not an indictment on Travis Hunter that he's not the best two-way player in the conference right now. It just goes <laughs> to show how good Sione Vaki is and how versatile he is. Not only one of the best safeties in the conference, you go back to last week and he became the only defensive player on record uh, in FBS to have 140 rush yards and then 140 receiving yards in the next game. Uh, he did that 159 on the ground versus Cal, 149 through the air against USC while playing at an all-conference level at the safety position. I mean, what he's doing is is not been seen maybe ever. At the very least, you got to go back to Eric Weddle, uh, who who didn't produce from that standpoint as far as volume goes, but was kind of that same same type of player. Also returning yeah. punts and whatnot, right? Yeah. Uh, for Utah, the kind of weapon that they desperately needed this year, right? When you don't have Cam Rising, you don't have Brant Keithy. Uh, you now don't have Makai Bernard and Thomas Yasmin. You you had to find some sort of explosion, some sort of uh, weapon on offense that, that hadn't been seen on film before, and you got that in Sione Vaki. Now what I am curious to see is 
uh, how much you can sustain that, right? Not only the snap count and, and how tough it is to play both ways on a, on a physical standpoint, but once teams now have Sione Baki on their radar, they have him on film, how they adjust to it and, and yeah. how Utah kind of counters that. I'm curious, uh, Porter, if I'm sitting next to you watching a Utes game, is there anything when they're on offense that irks you, like that you're you know, telling your buddy next to you, oh, why are they doing that? Or is it like, oh, I understand the hand they're dealing with, and so I'm accepting of whatever they do on offense. Like, Is there anything that, that jumps out like, oh, why aren't we doing this more or at least attempting this more on, on offense this year with, with Barnes? Well, I think it's clear that, that Bryson has to be able to get down the field and down the middle, particularly, a uh-huh. little bit more, right? Because you see a lot of teams running that single high safety. It allows them to load the box up, and that makes it hard to run the football. That yeah. makes it hard for Bryson to capitalize on, on those multiple tight end sets, and that's, that's everything Utah wants, right? So there is a, an inclination to get the ball not just downfield, but downfield uh, across the middle, to force teams to respect that because I think it opens up the, the playbook for Andy Ludwig. Uh, it, it really changes the way they can approach an offensive game plan. But the reason they haven't been able to, to do that is because there has been a little bit of struggle with Bryson, with Nate Johnson as well, on, on making those throws, on making those progressions because it does take a little bit more time for those seam routes and, and those across the middle routes to develop. And the offensive line as well with a, a freshman at left tackle, who's he's been good. Uh, but there has been a, a, a little bit of a letdown in, in some of the pass protection stuff as well. So it, it, it's a lot of moving parts, man. And, and I, I do ultimately think the, the hand that Andy Ludwig particularly has been dealt is a really tough one, and he's handled it marvel, marvelously. Yeah. Um, there's always times during the game where you're like, ah, I don't like that play call, right, where uh, just last week you saw Bryson Barnes get the draw for the touchdown, and it worked beautifully. But then Utah tried it again on a fourth down where they loaded up the box and, and didn't space everything out. And I, in that particular moment, I'm like, ah, oh, I hate that call. But you also watch it set things up during the course of the game where, where then Bryson can get outside and, and escape for that, that big scramble to, to win the game on the, on the field goal. So ultimately, yeah, there are a few things that I think that, that Utah needs to do offensively to get this ship rolling. Um, but I, I have seen a little bit of uh, an improvement the last few weeks that, that gives you some optimism, and with the personnel included, you, you also kind of have to, to take, it with, uh, uh, take it within stride because you can only play with the players you have, right? And, yeah. and for Utah, that's, uh, that's kind of thin at, at the moment as far as depth goes in the skill positions. What gives you optimism, Porter, that Utah might be able to pull off even though they haven't lost at home in you know 18 games or whatever, it's still an upset. According to Vegas, six and a half points. I think Oregon is favored. What what about this matchup? You know, if you look at it from you know the positive angle for Utah fans to think, oh, we might be able to pull this one off against a really good Oregon team. Yeah, man, and, and you mentioned it on the inset. There is is they're at home. <laughs> Utah at Rice Cycle Stadium is a a different beast and. Uh, with this defense, that's that's only more true, right? Yep. Um, so that that's going to give you a chance. At the very least, you're going to have a chance when your defense is that good. Uh, you're, you you have the home field advantage. I think for Utah, if, if they have a, a good game plan uh, going into this game against Oregon and, and they can execute defensively, it's going to be a really low-scoring game. I, 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 I'm not sure what the over-under is. I think you mentioned six-and-a-half is the spread right now. 
Um, I, I'm not touching that if, if I'm a, a betting man. I think Utah covers that spread, and we see a game that's played in the, in the mid-teens, and, and maybe a, the team that gets to 20 wins this football game. And that's exactly how U, Utah wants to play it. And uh, if that is the case, then it is up to Bryson Barnes. It is up to that offense to make just a few plays, as we saw versus USC. It doesn't have to be every drive. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be anything out of the ordinary when you have this defense. But you will have to make some throws. You will have to make some plays down the field. And and whichever team is able to capitalize on on those few opportunities, I, I think wins this football game. But yeah. Utah's 30-2 and two at Rice-Eccles Stadium since uh, the start of the 2018 season. So it, there is a very real home field advantage for this team. I think the third longest active win streak at home in college football. Um, so so that, that there is, is why it's less than a touchdown spread from, from the guys in Vegas. But there is a reason Oregon is favored because that's a, a really good football team on both sides. I think it's probably the most balanced team in the Pac-12 conference, and, and for Utah, they're going to be have to, have to be on the top of their game. Porter Larson, everybody, ESPN 700. You hear him on the Spence Checkett Show as well as Utes Game Day on ESPN 700. You can also hear him on ESPN 97.7 on Utah Game Day. Um, oh, and then I wanted to get your take, Porter, just uh, to get you out on this on the Michigan sign stealing stuff. Uh, oh, where, do, right. where do you land land on on uh, that? And how much it should be, how much Michigan should be hammered based on what they've done. Yeah, man, this is this is one that's it's interesting because there is some gray area, right? A lot of folks are are not necessarily sure how much it happens and, and at what length it, it does happen at. But uh, if you're familiar with with Pac-12 football, you remember some of the drama with Todd Graham at Arizona State, yes. Mike Leach, and <laughs> and Utah's Utah's coaching staff that that kind of snuffed that out as well. Uh, but here's the deal. You do try to get the other team signs. You, you try to, to, especially on game day, feel what they're doing on that particular game day, what they're communicating. But here's the thing. Most teams change it every week, right? So there is, um, there is a, an onus on your team to not allow teams to steal your signs. Where it becomes a little different is where you bring technology into the picture, where you're sending staffers to games that you're not at, right? Uh, there's no gray area there. That's an NCAA violation right. where you're sending a, a staffer to a game that you're not playing in on the same day as one of your games. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's kind of deep. You, Michigan hired a former uh, military intelligence guy to come and run this operation. And he's standing right next to Jim Harbaugh, right next to their defensive coordinator on game yeah. days with that, that sign sheet. And, to me, that does cross a line, and it crosses clear NCAA guidelines. So um, I do think that Michigan should be hit for this. I, I don't know what that punishment needs to be. I'm not the judge and the, right. the jury on that one. Um, but, but when you cross those very clear lines, uh, I think there does need to be some form of punishment. That being said, uh, again, it's, it's more an onus on, on teams to not allow this to happen, right? You, you've got to be creative uh, because teams will try to do it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that once they, they start crossing lines with recording and technology and, and kind of crossing behind enemy lines on, on game days is, is, is when it becomes problematic. Porter Larson, everybody, ESPN 700, hear him every day on the Spence Check It Show, as well as on Utes Game Day on ESPN 700 and down here on ESPN 97.7. Porter, you're the man. Great stuff as always. Appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you again soon, buddy.
Likewise, man. Always good to chat and uh, enjoy the weekend down there. All right. Thanks, Porter. Go Utes. Quick break. Back with more right after this. Thanks a lot, dude. Sorry about dropping. Okay. All good. All good. See ya. We'll, we'll, We'll keep that in mind. Okay. Right on. See ya.